I met so many speech therapists and, and they were interested, but they said, yes, but then you stop singing and then the stuttering is as before. So you can't sit, go to the, you, you can't go to the shop or to, uh, to, you can't buy your bread during, when, when you sing. Yeah, maybe it would be nice, but you don't do that. <laughs> Welcome to Some Stutter Law, Newfoundland and Labrador's first podcast about living with communication differences. It is a production of the Communication Collaborative and is in solidarity with the Newfoundland and Labrador Stuttering Association. My name is Greg O'Grady. I'm a person who stutters and your host. Some Stutter Law is a unique opportunity for us to discuss topics experiences and perspectives on what it is like to live with communication differences, to live with a disability, but also to uplift and inspire, to rebuild confidence through inclusive language and themes, and to install hope by dismantling myths, stigma, stereotypes, and barriers surrounding speech, language, and disability challenges. Some set of law is a safe space to speak and to own your truth a safe space to communicate differently without the fear of being judged or feeling shame. If you only get one thing from this podcast, we hope it's this. It's okay to stutter and it's okay to communicate differently. It's not how we communicate that's important. It's a message that's important. So, so let's communicate differently without the need to ask permission or to apologize for being you. For more information about the Communication Collaborative or this podcast, you can find us at sumstudalaw.ca. Today, Sumstudalaw welcomes Dr. Simone Falk. Uh, so, uh, Dr. Falk is a trained linguist and an associate professor in neurolinguistics at the University of Montreal. Canada, and member of the International Laboratory for Brain, Music, and Sound Research. Since her, her PhD on infant-directed singing and language acquisition at, at the Ludwig uh, Maximilian University, Munich, Germany, her research seeks to reveal phonetic acoustic as well as cognitive and neutral links between music and speech in production and perception. She currently investigates rhythmic uh, capacities and singing in children, adolescents and adults who stutter with the aim to better understand the relation between speech, musical and motor rhythms and their impact on speech acquisition and communication. She currently holds a Canada Research Chair in the Interdisciplinary Studies on Rhythm and Language Acquisition. Uh, well, uh, welcome, Simone, to, to uh, Some Study Law. Thank you so much uh, to being here. Simone, it's exciting to be oh, with you today. Thank you. I'm laughing to myself because uh, just, just read, you know, just, just, you know, just reading your bio. It, it, there's a lot of 
sounds I have difficulty with, so it's quite the challenge, but anyhow, it's a worthwhile challenge, <laughs> you know. About uh, uh, Simone, for our, 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 our listeners, you know, to, uh, who, who, are, who are unfamiliar, including myself, to be very transparent, can you share a little about your research in singing and stuttering and music and stuttering? Sure. I, um, I am doing research on singing since I did my PhD. So maybe I can start with myself because I'm, uh, I'm a sure. singer myself. So <laughs> I oh, okay. trained as a singer. I, I was 11 year old. I, I tried uh, to, to do some musical curriculum. I was trained as a lyrical singer. And I really loved singing so much. It was something that was just changing my my life. Um, I was not in that position to go into in, into professional uh, musicianship. That was nothing I I wanted to do. But um, it was always something that followed me. And when I get the opportunity to frame my own research program at the PhD. So I wanted to learn more about singing because singing is uh, very much between language and speech. And it's a little bit mysterious because you, you can't really say it's only music and you can't really say it's, it's really language. So it's because it's both of, of them. Um, so I wanted to do uh, some research on singing to understand better what this capacity uh, why we, we sing, what is that good for? And I've, I learned that particularly in the very early infancy, the parents are, or the moms are, loved, uh, are singing a lot with the babies. So that was my research topic first, because I wanted to understand if we can uh, learn language via singing, just not from speech, but also from song. I am somewhat starting with the idea that uh, singing is useful because it, it, makes, it makes positive feelings, it gives us uh, access to words differently so we can listen to meaningful content with a diff slightly different frame of mind and um, also the what happens between to people when the mom is singing to the baby, for example. So I thought that could give something we haven't yet looked at. Uh, so that was my first study on on singing, or it's still ongoing because they're missing, lots of missing bits and pieces <laughs> to understand if language acquisition is really fostered by, by sung speech. Um, on the other hand, I uh, focused in my research, I focused on how we produce and perceive speech and how what time and rhythm gives to that uh, to that practice so my uh, my early research on on stuttering was concerned with the question whether there are some rhythmic processes that could be uh, named that are important to understand stuttering better I had at that time a student who was uh, doing a master degree in speech therapy and who was stuttering himself. So he was guiding me in this research, I could say. And uh, at that point in time, I learned a lot about how stuttering 
um, happens, what it means to the people who stutter, what it does to conversation. And uh, naturally, because I was on the other hand also doing my research on singing, I was um, then asking, yes, and what about singing um, in stuttering? So I, that was the moment where I, where I understood that singing is uh, some of the conditions where people who stutter experience less stuttering. So I didn't know that before, that it's like singing is, is one of these uh, fluency enhancing conditions. And mm -hmm. um, so I wanted to know more about that and what, what happens to the articulation when we sing, what could be a reason for why we why, why there's no stuttering or less stuttering. Say that's, that's not true, that's, there's no stuttering, right? But there's less stuttering when you sing. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I did my first uh, study on that with uh, kids uh, or it's more adolescents, yes, young um, adolescents who stutter. And uh, that was what that was the start of the of the research on singing and uh, music and stuttering. Mm, interesting, doctor. You know, when you know. When I was reading your research on singing and stuttering and music and stuttering, I uh, I was flooded with memories and experiences during my you know my clinical treatment journey of for my severe stuttering, and uh, because I, I you know I, I, I have have taken the Fluency Plus program uh, through through the Toronto Speech and Stuttering Institute, and uh, and this is a specialized uh, treatment program. And uh, it's just for people who stutter, and it's interesting. In, in your research, you you know you discuss classes of basic sounds and vowels and consonants, and the, the development of stuttering and prolongations. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is it is interesting that you know, that uh, that you know while you know, while you know while I was thinking about your research on singing and music, I began to have aha moments because I, because I realized that you know that there you know that you know that you know that there is a definitely a strong connection between stuttering and singing and music and because because my fluency plus program speech targets i mean often we we actually use the the rhythmic or like to learn speech targets that you know that that in, in, in that, that really in, in, in that in many ways there's a chant to it as well. For example, one of my targets are the stretch syllable target, and this is where we, we stretch the sound out to up to two uh, 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 to you know, to, to two second syllable. For example, my name is Greg O'Grady. And uh, so really, you know, if I'm understanding correctly, there's a definite kind of chant to it, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? There's a chant. And uh, so, so, so in, in your uh, two, two research papers on singing and stuttering, you, you, you know, you really reference a lot about this chant. Do you want to just elaborate on this mm -hmm. a little bit? I mean, you described it beautifully. <laughs> so... Uh... Singing is is some way to articulate where the syllable somehow is 
uh, is stretched in time, but not equally. So we don't stretch the consonants as we do with the vowels. In, instead, the vowels get longer and the consonants do not necessarily get shorter, but they get smoother or also the transitions between the consonants and the vowels and between the consonants are working differently. So um, that is what gives this um, this chanting aspect. I think if you uh, learn some to speak with the fluency uh, shaping strategy, right? Because you stretch, you're stretching the vowels, and you're also trying to smooth or to get the onsets, um, yeah, smoother or or also a little longer, depending on the onset. So singing is sometimes um, described as re as reducing the non-sonorous parts. That mean means everything what sounds harsh or the consonants that are that are like interrupting the flow of uh, sonority. And uh, this is something that is quite different from speaking, where we have a lot of. Yeah, we have a lot of of, uh, of pauses uh, in sonority in in the sonorous part between syllables because all the consonants take much more space, and that is attenuated in singing. So that is definitely a parallel between singing and um, fluency shaping strategy or program mm. technique. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because when you know, when I'm uh, you know when when I'm, I'm thinking about what we call a class. Or uh, sounds, it's called plosives, for example, and like D for doctor. We in 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 this this uh, program, we we use five targets, and it's the full breath target, gentle onset, stretch syllable, which is the key to to this program, and the uh, rap one, which is reduced air pressure, like. Uh, because D D is such a constant hard sound, like k or d, for example. So, so we try to reduce the air pressure, and uh, and uh, rap two, which is the reduced articulatory pressure. But the more that I think about your study, and and uh, so you know, as I was mentioning, uh, Simone, this is, has opened up a whole new world for me. Your your research on singing and, and music, because because uh, I never. Really thought about music, incorporating music and sing, singing into therapy. Because when I was taking therapy, well, to be honest with you, most people, and I'm, I, I shouldn't be painting everybody with the same brush, but when I started therapy, I went to therapy for treatment. Okay, I wanted my, I wanted, I focused on fluency, and uh, I, I wanted to overcome my severe stutter because. I still to this day consider myself a severe person who stutters, and uh, but so, but if I went initially, this is yesterday years ago now, <laughs> a few years ago, but I went to uh, therapy, and if my speech pathologist suggested that I incorporate singing and music into my uh, program, I thought, well, you know, I you know I, I would question whether or not I would be uh, uh, favorable of this. Now, do do you you know how how do you sort of work with the uh, speech language pathologist that, that that that's involved in in your you know your you know your your research has has any of this SLP incorporated 
your research findings at this point into their program. Maybe can I ask a question? Did you did sure. you did you then start to, to sing? Did you start to sing after no, that suggestion? No, 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 no. Or did you try? Oh no, no, no. We're, we're, <laughs> oh no, we're we're actually going back years ago. Oh, okay. You know? And so so, but things have changed since then, since then. But have you have you you know, has any of the SLPs that you work with, have they started to incorporate singing and music so, into their program? I mean, this research, there are very few people doing research on, on singing and stuttering. So uh, what what I did with a study with the, with the adolescents, uh, we found as a result uh, that... I mean, singing uh, with they were the task was uh, that the, the the adolescents or the participants should sing "Happy Birthday," and uh, we gave them a specific text, so they had to change the names, which were with these fa famous plosives. Yeah, they had to sing "Happy Birthday," "Dear Tita," "Dear Tata," "Dear Tuta." <laughs> so we made up names for them, and then we looked at uh, how the consonants are produced during singing and when they spoke or just read the text. And we found that, um, yeah, the, 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 the very, so the, the production of the plosives was more variable during the reading condition in, in the adolescent group who stutters, but the variability came down when they sang. So it was like the, the the singing did stabilize the articulation, um, but only for this these plosives. We didn't find, find we didn't find anything for for example the vowel uh, or the length of the utterance or the general variability in the utterance. It was specific to these plosives, and we were interpreting this finding in a way that we thought that is the plosive is a very complex sound. Yeah, you have to move your articulators in a very specific way and time the different steps um, of the of of producing a T or a P because it has you have to close up your vocal tract and then you have to build pressure and you have to release the pressure and then it, the the sound comes out like a explosion that's why it's called plosive so this is a very demanding sound generally for Mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. terms of temporal sequence, how, how you should move along. So we thought that maybe singing is giving this um, temporal sequencing is, is the structuring in time is somehow eased um, by, by, by the fact that you're singing. Uh, that, um, that is in itself not a result that could help therapy in a way. <laughs> So not immediately. Um, we, when we uh, were thinking with my colleague Frank Rousseau and uh, speech therapist Ramona Shreya, with, with whom we wrote an article on singing and stuttering, just to give ideas on perspective on, on this phenomenon, we were thinking also uh, about the fact that there is also already some singing part in, in therapy when you use techniques because you, you, as you described it beautifully, we have this lengthening of the syllables. So that is, I think, where speech therapists are, I do all agree that everything that is working on the articulation and on, on the 
uh, on the elements that could enhance fluency, that that is a good thing. But they, I think, no one really would like to 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 do singing right away because <laughs> yeah, I I met so many speech therapists and, and they were interested. But they said yes, but then you stop singing, and then the stuttering is as before. So you can't sit, go to the you you can't go to the shop or to uh, to you can't buy your bread during when, when you sing. Yeah, maybe it would be nice, but you don't do. That. Well, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, Simon, the you know the the you know the you know the. the the more that I'm, 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 you know, listening to you, I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, thinking, thinking now that singing, may, you know, may be a good a target to work towards in terms of uh, trying to, to trying to, I guess, fine tune your, 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 um, your, your voice, for example, that we use the, the stretch syllable, we have the full breath. We have to keep the the the, uh, the 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 breathing open, but I think when when we're singing, it may help to us us to really sort of uh, help to fine tune a speech target like the uh, gentle onset by saying uh, mentally anyhow. My name is Greg O'Grady. Sing it a bit, so at, at least it also reinforces the the speech target that you're working on. Now the reason why I'm saying that is we do uh, uh, we do use the methadone the the uh, that machine and and that helps us to fine-tune the target but the more i'm, I'm thinking about it you know like i'm starting to feel more and more that that there is a role for singing in treatment do, do you understand what i'm saying or yes i um i think what what you say is something that could be tested yes that uh speech therapists try to come via singing to an articulatory technique just to to make uh, you more aware of what you are what you're capable of doing with your voice and your vocal instruments so because it's it's also a technique yeah singing is also a technique somehow mm -hmm. it, uh, it is just more coming more more naturally because already small kids they sing yeah, we don't know really why, but they do. <laughs> they do a lot. It's a lot. So I was also thinking that as there's so much room for trying new things, maybe in stuttering mm -hmm. research and in therapy with, uh, with singing, there could be also something for the smaller, the smaller um, people. So even for for singing with uh, with kids, so they could also maybe benefit from some some singing training or some communication via singing because they do it quite naturally and mm -hmm. uh, it is re really difficult to explain something to how to articulate to a small child yeah you can't really do that with a, a, pre a, a, a kid that is not scholarized i think there is something that could potentially um, be done and also, I mean, singing in, in during therapy, for the moment, we have no idea if singing, intensive singing training could have an effect on, yeah, how 
how how people articulate generally in speech. So even with people who do not stutter, I don't see any study that has investigated that. As if uh, singers, for example, um, professional singers, I mean, that is something else, even because they have a very specific style in singing, but how that um, changes the way they articulate in everyday life, if, if ever there's a link between the two. So we know that singing is also doing um, or is you, you have other parts of your, your brain activated while you're singing or maybe not other parts but they are more activated uh, especially in the right hemisphere we have um, some pathways that help us to integrate what we hear from ourselves and, and what we want to produce and these pathways, so which help self-monitoring, are much, much more activated during singing. So this is something that some researchers say that this is the reason why uh, fluency is so much enhanced during singing, because these pathways are, uh, are helping to um, initiate the syllables better or to be more on time with the syllables and um, helping the whole process of uh, fluent speech better. So that is uh, something that could also be a question for future research to look into how um, how singing over a long longer time and also more intensively could help train these aspects. But mm. yeah, you need a special constellation. I think you need people who really like to sing. So singing is not for everyone. <laughs> so you need someone who really likes it and who wants to try it and you need also a therapist who really is open to that correct so, Simone yeah and uh, like uh, I'm also thinking as well you see when you know because we have learned so many speech targets we have to concentrate on it can cause a lot of anxiety as well because we're so trying to get uh, the targets sound straight like full breath, gentle onset. And uh, with, you know, with me, when I get, uh, one of my issues is that when, you know, when I get, I guess, so anxious, I allow my, my targets to go out the window. However, though, you, you do mention in your, your, your papers that singing does relax you, whether you're a singer or not. So, uh, so I'm thinking now, uh, as one of, and one of my speech targets, I could inc incorporate as 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 a sort of a, as an adjunct to when I'm I'm about to answer the phone, like start singing. It opens the vocal cord. It relaxes me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'm saying so. So I have that in conjunction with the speech targets. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Thank yeah. Thank you for that. That is the other part that is very important to singing that it has as we could say as any music but as it is vocal so we're producing it with our own body it's not like we have no instrument the the body is the instrument it has a very deep impact onto all our physiological uh, processes on uh, emotions and on yeah as also potential um, anxiety or stress so that is something that um, 
we are also very interested in, and I think that is the big potential for stuttering, um, that it could help people to, yeah, to find um, a better way to to feel good with their voice. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So I am a member of the Singwell Consortium, which is an international collaborative project which is steered by Toronto University, that's my colleague Frank Rousseau at Toronto Metropolitan University who who gave life to this. <laughs> but we have international partners from also from Europe and from North America and this consortium is interested in how singing, especially in a group, can help people with communication difficulties. So um, this is a seven years project. It also includes people from from choir, uh, from musical associations, from choir associations, so musical directors, to uh, build, for example, groups for people with, uh, we have people with uh, aphasia, Parkinson's disease, uh, lung problems, and stuttering. Um, so to to be to build singing groups for for these specific groups in order to help some processes in in help in enhancing their well-being their um, also social in inclusion in 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 a group and uh, music is very very good at that so singing mm -hmm. together um and and i think i'm the team leader of the stuttering um sub part so i think that specifically singing together in a group um despite singing at home <laughs> under the shower, <laughs> which is also very nice. Um, it is, yeah. Yeah, could could help uh, to improve some aspects of, yeah, to to decrease uh, the stress level. Uh, there is uh, There are studies that singing in a group can decrease cortisol, which is the stress hormone uh, in our body. And there are also studies that show that yeah, social processes, you feel more connected to a group, which in general can help you to feel more connected generally to to your environment if you're part of a group that you like to go into practice music with. <laughs> so mm. Uh, mm. these are aspects we think that, or I think that are especially important for, for uh, people who stutter, who are... Um, who have uh, psycho psychosocial consequences of stuttering. Um, yeah. Not everyone does. So maybe no, yeah. those who who feel mm. uh, who feel more more um, emotionally involved or stressed, uh, they they could particularly benefit from that. Oh, oh, definitely, Simon. Because I mean, one you know, uh, I mean, anxiety is 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 really associated with stuttering mm. and uh, because i mean the act of, of physical speaking and uh, so but but i'm starting to think more and more and, and you see this you know this uh, this is where i have to you know, to you know to you know, to applaud you for your research because i mean reading your your research papers has given me a whole new perspective on the value of singing and music and uh, so so how you know how 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 you know how singing can be therapeutic in many ways, and uh, you know I, I'm I, I, I'm 
from a music musical family, oh. her de Blee. Mm -hmm. and uh, because I mean, my you know my father uh, uh, played you know played the accordion. My father played the mouth organ. My brother were in their own bands. They had the uh, they they played the guitar and the drums and things like that. But unfortunately, I was never gifted to play. But I love to sing. Mm -hmm. I love to sing. However, they told me I couldn't sing. <laughs> but but still, but, well, you know, but but I still sing. And uh, but you're right, Doctor. It does create a, a sense of a wellness about you. It calms you right down. And so I'm keeping. I'm thinking more and more that there is a definite role in in, in adding singing to speech therapy. That's my thinking mm -hmm. anyhow. And uh, Doctor, you you also mentioned music and stuttering. It, it's interesting what I'm learning reading your papers because I never really uh, thought about the difference. I thought, well, singing is singing, singing is music, music singing. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do and, and your your paper. Uh, there, there's a significant difference. You want to talk a little bit about the uh, music and and stuttering your mm -hmm. research? Um, yeah, so singing is is part of music. It's part of language too, <laughs> so that way what makes it so interesting. Uh, and um, music, uh, as 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 a as another way of communicating, is something interesting in conjunction with, or also with a divergence that it has with with speaking or with the act of speaking and with language. So um, I wanted to know always what is in between these two yeah so is there something that unites them is there music and language is it built on some same architecture because it's so it seems both seem so unique and so pervasive to for, to the human species yes we 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 all we all have language all the time we are, we have a lot of music and um so these these two things that help us to express what we are experiencing, what we what we are feeling, what we want to do, what we want from others too. Uh, maybe here language is a little bit better than than music. Uh, this these are two way of communicating which should be better understood together. So that is my my aim. Uh, if I can learn something from that and help understand. What, uh, what music and, and language have in common. So we know a lot about the, the architecture nowadays of in, in our brains from music and language. So it's, uh, it's interesting that it's not that different. Yeah, <laughs> but it's still, it seems so different. Yeah, we, we gave it culturally very different um, values, very different ways to, to, to implement our communication. And uh, you can also say language is better in some parts, and and and, uh, and and music is better for others. But what is um, what is interesting for my research, or what I think is most pervasive between the two systems, is rhythm. So the time domain, how we put the elements of language together, how we put the elements of music together, and also how how when we produce it. Yes, if we, when we speech, speak and when we play an instrument or when we sing, we have similar constraints um, for, for time. But music does something that 
beach has in general. You have also a, a metrical hierarchy that is like beats uh, that are inside um, the the musical structure, which are less regular in language. So we don't have we maybe there are some languages where you can feel the beat of speech too, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's mm -hmm. not in a way that you would like to dance with it. Yeah, <laughs> you don't listen to some someone giving a great speech and then you want to move with it. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, the passion, the passion has to be there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, rhythm or the time domain is something that unites them both uh, the most. That's why I my my focus on in, in this Canada's research chairs is is uh, rhythm and language acquisition how um, we can get from rhythmic parts of language and rhythmic parts of music to words, for example, to phrases, how we segment that, how we build our repertoire of phonological units, how we, we, we determine, detect the sounds of speech that are important at very, very early infancy. So that is um, something that I, I think should, should be looked at because these are two ways of uh, of communicating, but they can both enhance um, our sense of time. Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I see. So, so uh, Simon, what you know? Uh, what would be your your long term goals now? You, you know, you 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 you've done your research. So, what would be the next steps now? Like the long term goals? Would you, you know? Would you like to see uh, see you know see your research in in Incorporated into you know the you know the speech pathologist curriculum training, and then eventually in, into their therapy. What's the long term goal? I think the first of all, we I would like to contribute to better understand uh, the processes underlying speech production and stuttering. Really, can can very much help us to understand what is going on in time in the brain these especially these temporal aspects yes how you when we speak how we conceive time how this rhythm of speech and is is uh, uh, managed by our brains is so such a complex um, aspect of, of uh, language it's such a very difficult motor part that has to be learned almost for 20 years to get there, yes, to be a fluent speaker of, of native language. And um, it's it's for sure that if you have stuttering, um, I think this process is much, is taking up much more time and much more space in, in the whole, in your whole curriculum. Um, that's why I think we should first understand how um, how this uh, this temporal and rhythmic aspect uh, can explain how we how we speak, and I would like to for the music part. I would also like to understand better first how yeah what are the attitudes or the the wishes of people who started towards music because since. Uh, since the early times of stuttering research, everything is focused on speaking, yes? So it's all mm -hmm. about speech, but is there, um, how do feel people who stutter about singing? Do they want to do music? For the moment, we have 
not a lot of data to know at all if people who stutter want to do uh, music or are they have they more opportunities uh, to learn music or to sing together is there something that is a specific barrier for for that because um maybe if there are not so many opportunities what can we know about later on if people who stutter um, can use music in their lives to improve an aspect either of the well-being or of the speaking of the art techniques or the articulation i think that is something i really would like to know in the near mm. future with singwell we're doing a we're doing an, a survey on that um if someone wants to participate in that we would be really really grateful <laughs> just to know more about how uh, people who started um, sing or play music it's just a questionnaire so that is something mm -hmm. I really want, want would like to know we also would like to know more about the this uh, what what the singing in the brain in in when when people start to sing there are very few studies to look at this right now so these aspects that could improve the the articulation are not well known i think we want to know about that and um, I also would like to know whether such initiatives like group singing um, could help the the social emotional um, the social emotional to, to lower this burden of social emotional um, aspects of stuttering. And we are currently running a, a choir in Montreal for people mm. who stutter. So that is a first step towards that. But we're really really learning a lot <laughs> oh great um, so yeah, it's yeah. A, congratulations yeah it's a wonderful thing so it's in in the association with uh, the abc the association Vegement communication yeah uh, i think geneviève lamoureux was mm -hmm. this year yeah. last year she was also <laughs> with you with your podcast she was yeah she she was with you know in interviewed by a colleague of mine, Liz. Yeah. Liz interviewed her. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, she she helped us uh, to set up a project with the ABC to to build a choir, and we also we now we have a second season running with a choir. So it's since September we have the choir running, and it's for adults for the moment. And in fall we want to open up for for younger. So we want to go for. Yeah, for adolescents and kids, we hope that. Simone, mm. uh, just you know, just thinking. So are you looking to develop more choirs throughout the uh, province, like like you know here mm -hmm. here in Newfoundland, for example? Yeah. Would you know? Would you be open to that and developing a choir here? That would be great. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, it was interesting because um, I heard that in France. I mean. We have we, we had communicated uh, that we were opening a choir and in a, in in the French podcast of the ABC um, featured for, by by Geneviève Laboureux and Judith Labonté, and then I got I got answers from France where some speech therapists try to 
to set up choirs and they said oh you do a choir study what are your results i i want to learn about it because i want to do a <laughs> choir can you give recommendations i said oh i would love to uh, I, I just don't have yet the results i can't really tell you uh, except for the fact that it's really working well so our, mm. our choir members are really happy with it <laughs> so that is so wonderful to see so I'm wondering, uh, Simon, when you talk about the member, how, how many members would make up a choir? Like, you're talking about numbers, I mean. I mean, it would be a group of 10 is a good basis. Oh, yeah. 10, okay. Yeah. Um, so this choir, we are running as the specificity that it's really for people who stutter. So it's no one, okay. for example, for, for the moment, we didn't allow anyone who was who's not stuttering. <laughs> And that you know that you know that makes sense because it, it is research, research. Yeah. Yes, and also to be honest, Greg, it was one of the major motivations for some participants to come, because mm. um, the idea is to offer a safe space, yes, where you can express yourself freely and you don't have to worry about how the others look at you, or or they because they just know about stuttering yeah so you don't have to explain yourself you can can go and you 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 are with people who who are knowledgeable <laughs> so i think that mm. was one of the uh, advantages that this choir was just for people who stutter for the moment um and we also observed that's why we want to know more for about uh, attitudes about singing for example because we had uh we had not so many answers as we hoped to have uh, because people said, oh, I can't sing. Oh, no, I don't go to a choir. I, I really can't sing. <laughs> Which is, um, it is, is this a general reaction that we observe also in other studies when we look for participants who have to <laughs> sing, even if it's the simplest yeah. thing. But it's some somehow we have an unrealistic way of thinking about singing. That it has mm -hmm. to be. One, one, one has to be perfect. Well, yeah, has to be you, perfect, in other words. Yeah, yeah you should sing like a children if ever you sing or I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, oh, okay. um, so that is something we, 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 we have trouble with, uh, that people don't dare to sing, um, or they mm. they think they don't they can't sing. Yeah, but mm. singing is is for everyone. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. That is definitely. something we want to also to give a message out that. Uh, whatever you you do in your life, you can always sing. <laughs> if uh, and this choir is not made for giving concerts or something. Yeah, so here at least in Quebec, I don't know how it is in in um, in, in in Newfoundland, Labrador. If you go to choir, often there are concerts. Then you have to do uh, to prepare for some stage experience. So um, new, you know, 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 loves their music. Mm -hmm. They 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 love their music. That they they love they love singing. You know, this is part of our culture. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's wonderful. <laughs> really, <laughs> then then you should do the choir immediately. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. well, look look in terms of uh, starting a choir. Uh, with this, I'm assuming this is all virtual then. Virtual. Yeah, we did. Is that in person? Okay. Hmm. That is the thing. If people are living in remote areas and they can't c 
comes to a place. Yeah, we we for the moment we have it um, in person in Montreal. Oh, but, okay, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, but Me I think too. I think considering the fact that um, you don't find so many people in a place, yes, who want to join a choir, or at least mm. you you can you could offer that um, as a start, and then you put up a virtual mm -hmm. choir but it's quite different so virtual choirs for the moment are suffer from the fact that you can't really sing together it's oh, okay. uh, it's because the time lag this is again about time that <laughs> 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 the internet is giving you the time lag so finally what cho choirs during the pandemics did there was the choir director who sang and show and showed what to sing and then each choir member at home sang individually maybe with 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 muting his, his sound so you you can't hear the others that is something mm. that is uh oh, I see. impoverishing okay. the experience quite a lot and i see what you're saying yeah okay yeah, yeah. And there are some technical possibilities that are currently we are exploring that too um with in the single network for example they're exploring that how to set up a virtual choir uh with sing so everyone can sing together but it seems quite demanding in terms of technical issues so yeah, it's also not for everyone to get your home own home studio yeah. <laughs> on your computer and <laughs> so for so the being we we don't have a, a real good solution for virtual choirs i see what you're saying yeah. but all you know all you know all all, all present this uh, idea to the new you know to you know to the newfoundland laboratory studying association mm -hmm. and 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 i got their feed you know, feedback on you know perhaps you know purposes you know starting up a choir of people who started in, in the area mm -hmm. you know yeah. St. John's area. So, okay. So, you know, so I'll talk to the the board about this as well. You know, as a starter. We would yeah. be happy to advise. So we have just one choir running for the moment. So it's a very, it's more like a group, group singing, a singing group. Yeah. So it's very collaborative. Um, we have music. Uh, it's it's in collaboration with this it's with the Centre des Musiciens du Monde, so it's world music, a center for world music, and they uh, the choir director also chooses pieces from all over the world. It's like the folk music of different countries, mm. which which were made to get people together to interact also. So there are some chanting songs where two groups chant with each other or it's also interactive. Uh, there are movements that is, <laughs> it's quite mm. fun. Um, and also improvisation a little. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a concept which is very dynamic and it's also, it's good for 10 people more, but it's, we had sometimes with, during the, the the winter we had people who got sick so we had just six seven people. of course it, it just was oh, okay. also working so we oh, okay. so so Simon would you would you e e email me some information on like how, you know what was involved with starting up a choir things like that just just a little uh, some more information and, and I'll run run that by the the Newfoundland Library Study Association. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure um, also Singwell will help with that, the network. I can include the information sure. about yeah. that. 
because we Definitely. want to we want to give advice uh, how to do it but we're in dialogue you know we're just learning about all of this so it would be so 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 really Simon, this yeah. this whole this, this is a whole brand new ter territory for all of us yes singing and music things like this so there's a whole new uh, you know it's, it's a whole new area yeah, yeah. maybe uh, one thing that i could already say because we're waiting for the end of the second session to have a look at the results uh, of the choir, but what we could already see is that um, we had all the members of the first choir reported a, a decrease, a significant decrease in in self stigmatization. So we we were we were including this measure because um, we think that stigma is one of the mm -hmm. of the most important um, aspects of serving our society. So also how how people see themselves and vice versa of, of, of societal um, attitudes and uh, beliefs. So we saw that the choir activity was, um, was really interfering with that dimension and that people uh, in the choir showed less self-stigma after the choir experience. Mm. So that was uh, very encouraging to, to see that. And uh, mm. we will see if that stays like that after the second session. But <laughs> well, it, that sounds wonderful. It's yeah. worthwhile to to look at that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Now, uh, Simone, for you know, for you know, for in, in, any of our of our listeners who are interested in, in completing that survey you were talking about, yes, their perception. Well, you know, is there a link you can share now? Yes, we have um, a link. Yeah, can direct them to the to the page, and you have just to to submit your email address and you get the whole survey it's a okay. 15 minutes thing or 10 10 to 15 minutes it's not really long yeah okay so would you know would they google the uh, sing well project just to start this survey yeah i can i can if you have a possibility to include that the link um okay yeah because if they want to google it's on the page of singwell uh it's singwell.ca and then there's okay. the, um, there's a part that says uh, get involved, and at the down of this at, at the bottom of this page, you find um, the current studies, and the the survey is uh, is is one of the, the 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 links you can click on. Yeah, mm, okay. uh, get involved. Yeah. Okay, now uh, Simone on on. Fortunately, you know our time is up now. And but do, do you know, do you know, do you have any final words for our listeners before we close? Um, yeah, I I I would tend to encourage everyone who who loves to do music or who likes to sing just to do it, <laughs> because even if research is not yet there to know what exactly it does to stuttering or. Um, I think for individual individually, it really is something that is such an enriching experience that you should just try it, <laughs> even mm. if it's at home for for yourself or try to sing with someone you really like. You you see, you will feel better. And we are in the future. We are really interested in experiences people stutter are making with music and with singing and what they think that could add to their experience with others and with stuttering so i would be really interested in knowing about it too 
Oh, wonderful! And you know, I'll you know I'll uh, close now, Simone. But if you know, like if you know, if you feel that there, you know, there's you know, there's any way that I can help, help just 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 call on me. You know. Thank you so much, Greg. That is so appreciated. I enjoyed oh. so much our, our this interview, oh. and hope to talk to you. Oh yeah, I mean this. You know, I'm, I'm I'm thinking now. So I mean, this, this is part one. We will have a, another part two and three. Don't worry about that. <laughs> okay. So so thank you. Know, thank you very much for being part of this conversation this morning. Thank you very much.